Hey, everybody, it's author of Confidence Creator, Heather Monahan, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Cialdo. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. My guest today is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss in Heels. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, she is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. As a chief revenue officer in media, she is a glass ceiling award winner named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017, and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Her new book, Confidence Creator, shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation lists the first week it debuted. She is a confidence expert and is currently working with Fortune 500 companies and professional sports teams to develop confidence in the workplace and on the court. She's also a member of Florida International University's Advisory Council to further serve as a mentor and leader in the South Florida community. She and her son Dylan reside in Miami, Florida. The boss and heels herself, Heather Monahan. Welcome to Life After the Crown. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you on because you are a true lady boss in every sense of the word. And, you know, my audience for this podcast is an army of basically up-and-coming lady bosses. And as with anything you do in life, having a mentor or someone to show you the way forward is always an important and, you know, when it comes to building your confidence and shutting out the negative voices, doubting yourself, these are all areas that you've dealt with. And uh, could you just talk about where this confidence that you created for yourself started? That's hard to answer because, I, you know, I grew up poor and I, I had uh, very low self-esteem. And my entire life was focused on generating income. I never wanted to suffer. I didn't want to struggle. And I just hustled and outworked everybody as a kid, you know, with a paper route, waiting tables, eventually bartending. And that led me into sales. And, you know, through those next couple of decades, I'm 44 now, I wasn't really paying attention so much to what my confidence was like. I wasn't that self-aware at the time. However, I was doing exceptionally well in business. And I thought that was confidence. I ended up getting fired August 1st uh, in 2017. So that moment for me was really one of my lowest moments I had had in two decades. And it allowed me to realize, wow, I'm struggling with my confidence right now. I need to rebuild it. How am I going to do that? And I had figured it out. Over the last couple of decades, I had been through a lot of highs and lows. And I took that opportunity after getting fired to sit down and write my book and put that plan in place so that others have that access to a very clear blueprint on how to create confidence when you're sips because everyone's, it's going to go down at some point. You never know when it's coming. And for me, you know, that moment was when I got fired. So was it a blueprint that you used throughout your career or it's the blueprint that you formed after you were fired? 
those are, you know, that's interesting. Through two decades of work and success and challenges and divorce and highs and lows, I was figuring out how to create confidence and bounce back from adversity. However, I didn't realize it at the time. It was this last time when I got fired that I realized, hey, I know how to bounce back from this. And you know what? I need to share this with the world. And, and that's really, you know, that was the impetus for writing the book. So sales is, sounds like where you kind of developed the confidence. You were very successful in that realm of business. Um, what was it about sales that you were great at? You know, what was the thing that really, you know, for you, if you had to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is why I'm really good, what, what do you think that was? I'm relentless. You know, I, and it's the same reason why I got on Steve Harvey. It, it's the same thing that makes me successful. It's why I sell a lot of books. If you don't take no for an answer and you constantly challenge yourself to find a solution and find a way in, you will. The, the reality is the majority of people give up when they hear a no or decide to take it personally. And I decide to take it as a challenge. So, you know, the Steve Harvey example is a great one. It's very recent. It was January. I had wanted to get on that show for a while and had pitched myself and pitched myself and crickets. I hear nothing back. So finally, I said, forget this. I'm going to send a life-size cutout of myself to his executive producer <laughs> with a note that says, you know, while you might like having me in your office, you'll like it even more when the real living and breathing Heather is there. Give me a shot. Let's do this. And immediately I got a response. So it's really about, you know, how can you make yourself unique and stand out in a sea of mediocrity out there so that you do get the call back? And and I've really, it, throughout my career, taken that as a challenge instead of, instead of as a negative, where I think some people see it, you know, negatively. Well, I love the approach. I think I might have to use that cardboard cutout idea. That's pretty uh, innovative. Way to go. It works. <laughs> yeah, definitely did. So, you know, as you mentioned, you were on Steve Harvey. Uh, you've been on Home and Family, Dr. Drew recently. You were on KTLA with our good friend Lou Parker. Uh, this topic of confidence and empowerment, no doubt, seems to be a topic that, I, I guess for you, is kind of media gold these days, Yes. It is, but it, you know, it's like anything. You still have to connect the dots from whether it be a date, you know, so it, recently we were around International Women's Day, so really leveraging and capitalizing on the time of year and, you know, weaving together a pitch. So, yes, it's a popular topic, but that doesn't mean someone's going to put you on your show just because there's a million people out there talking about confidence right now, so why you? And this goes back to sales you know, why should it be Heather Monahan that's on the show instead of Rachel Hollis or all these other women that are out there, you know, Sheryl Sandberg that have written amazing books, you know, around that same theme and topic. So I really try to connect those dots, um, you know, find parallels between me and the opportunity, me and the decision maker, you know, answering what problem am I going to solve that maybe somebody else can't or what unique angle um, makes sense. Yesterday I was trying to get on Ed Milet's show and I was going back and forth with his assistant, and I let her know. I said, here's why I'm a great fit for this show. Ed was not always wealthy. Ed was not always successful. He suffered and struggled. That is a direct parallel to my life and my trajectory. I was on food stamps as a kid. And I want to be able to empower Ed's listeners from the female perspective and bring some additional value. You know, it's all about how are you bringing value to that audience and being unique and different and and um, it, it can be a, a bit challenging, but it, it definitely works in the end. Well, so let's talk about the book, Confidence Creator. Uh, again, hit number one on Amazon when it came out. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, the book stems from the fact that you struggled, as you mentioned, with confidence your entire life. You grew up in a trailer with your mother, food stamps, three siblings. Talk about the journey that you take people on with the book 
um, and, and the blueprint and what they're going to get out of it? The journey is not sequential. So the, my book is actually um, created around topics. Fear is one topic, you know, overcoming adversity is one topic. So I have these different portions of the book. So it's not sequential or linear in, in nature on a timeline. Now, the book really showcases my lowest moments in life, including when I got arrested, when I got divorced, when I got cheated on, you know, all of my really low moments and how I bounced back from that adversity and found ways to create confidence and how the reader can too. And the reason why I decided to showcase those low moments is because I looked at what was out there and I found a tremendous amount of books with, you know, somewhat methodical teaching, preaching, research driven. And I thought that's great. And those do well, although I'm not a researcher, I'm the person that's really out there, you know, in the ditch climbing out of it. And I thought that is what's unique and different about me. I'm willing to share those stories. I'm willing to shine a light on my shame to empower me and to empower others. And I really take the reader through those really challenging times and, and letting them know that, you know, I've been there, I got through it, here's the levers that I pulled to get me out of it, and you can pull these same levers. Well, you mentioned uh, four items there that, you know, I, I think most of them are common, maybe not being arrested, it's not common, but the divorce, uh, breakups, being fired, uh, things like that. I think a lot of people, when those things happen to them, they really have a tough time digging out of that ditch. Um, was there a certain tactic that you used to dig out of that ditch, you know, when, uh, for instance, in 2017, when you were fired from an executive level job that you'd been in your whole career? Yeah, there, there's very specific things that I did. The first thing that I did was I asked for help and I put it out on social media. And a lot of people said to me, oh my gosh, Heather, this looks pathetic. It's terrible that you're doing that. Remove the post. In my heart of hearts, I knew for me, that was, I felt driven to put that post up. And like I said, a lot of people didn't want me to do it. However, it ended up being the single best thing that I did. The company that I worked for didn't want anyone to know I was fired because they didn't want to get any backlash um, from shareholders in regards to eliminating a revenue generation position. So they were keeping it quiet. And I remember sitting on my couch crying, laying under a weighted blanket the day after and thinking, no one's even calling me. How weird is this? After 20 years of success in media, not one person is reaching out. And that's when I realized, you know what? I can take control of this situation and I can post on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. You know what? I just got fired. And after 14 years at one company and constant advancement and success, I am feeling so low right now. And if I've ever touched your life in any way, I'd love to hear from you today. And that was overwhelming. That post went viral and I had literally thousands of offers, DMs, people supporting me, letting me know you're not alone, Heather. I've been fired too. And it was the best thing that ever happened. And here's why. And I learned during that time, asking for help is something strong people do, not weak people. And others were trying to put their self-limiting beliefs on me, telling me not to do that because for them, that wasn't you know, a recipe for success for them because of their own issues um, lack of confidence, whatever, I decided to thank them for their offers, hand it back to them, move forward with my plan. And then as people would uh, arrive, uh, offer me help and support, I realized you need to ask for one specific thing in those moments. You can't say, oh, great, thanks for the offer. I'll, I'll reach back out to you in a couple of months when I figure out what I need. Because at that point, people have moved on. 
So you really need to convert the opportunity in the moment and in that, um, in that second. So what I learned was when people would DM me and say, hey, Heather, I would love to help. Let me know what I can do. I would say, great, John, thank you. Could you go ahead and connect me to the CEO of your company? Or could you uh, give me a recommendation on my LinkedIn wall right now? You know, I asked for very specific things, and ultimately Froggy from the Elvis Duran Show tweeted at me, Heather, I want to help you. What can I do? And I said, get me on the Elvis Duran Show. And that started a really interesting series of events, which led me to the show and led me to a moment when Elvis said live on air, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, right? And I said, obviously, but I really said it. And, you know, in that moment, that held, that held me accountable and that really got um, the ball rolling for me to write the book. Well, there's one part I wanted to dig into there because I think it's a, a, a very interesting part, and that is you were very successful in your career, and you get fired, and I think a lot of people at that point, their pride sets in, and they're like, I've, I'm great. You know, People should be coming to me, and you had the uh, humility to reach out to others. Do you think a lot of people you know, in positions of uh, what, either influence or power take the other route where they're like, you know what, people should be coming to me and I'm just going to wait. I would not, I would advise against that. But yes, I agree with you. I don't think it's the normal strategy because you really have to be vulnerable. You have to, you know, take that risk. It's like, you know, standing on, on the ledge and not knowing what's ahead of you and jumping anyways. And I just, for me, it was, I knew in my heart of hearts, I've really learned to hone in and listen to my intuition and act on it. And anytime I, I hear my intuition speaking to me and I act on it, good things eventually happen. It might not be that first second, but it started a series of events that within a month led me to that show, which led me to writing the book. And I never knew I was writing the book. But if I hadn't listened to myself, if I hadn't had faith in my own inner voice over everybody else's, I would have never gone there. I don't know that the book would have come out. So it's really about taking that risk and betting on you. So when he said, you're writing a book, right? How long did it take you from that point to figure out how you were going to write the book? You know, I, I believe, and this is, you know, my method and strategies from business and corporate America, people complicate things. And I don't believe in that. I believe in simplicity. So what I did was I got on the plane. I Googled, how do you write a book? I'm not kidding either. I saved it. I printed it out when I was, and I, I still have it here at the house and I look at it sometimes. It's so funny. So basically I looked through a number of documents and what I saw was, you just have to write, you know, there's, it, you don't need to overcomplicate this. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to sit down and write. And within two weeks, it probably took me two weeks of sitting down. At first I was writing how much I hated the lady that fired me, you know, it was really emotional. But then over time I started realizing this isn't the first time I felt like this. There's other times I felt low and how did I bounce back those times? And that's what I started writing about. And then over that, that two week period, I started saying, I think I'm writing a book about how to build confidence, you know, and then I, I kept writing and kept writing. And then I found my editor and then my editor helped me to shape it. And, and he would say to me, you're not filling in all the details here, Heather. You know, when you bring someone into your life that's far ahead of you, he had written 19 books. I had written none. So he was able to help direct me and, you know, point out where I needed to put in additional work or information. And I really fast tracked. Once I brought him on board with me, you know, we moved so quickly and I was done writing the book. I was fired August 1st. I was done writing the book January 1st. And what took a long time for me was the self-publishing process was really 
slow and painful. I started that in the middle of January, and the book launched May 22nd. So, yeah, you know, it was all done within under a year. You self-published your book, and you hit number one on Amazon in a category. I, I don't hear about that very often. How did, how did you go about making that happen? So this is so funny. I never knew if I'd be a good writer, right, because I wasn't an you know, English lit major. I didn't go to Harvard. I was a salesperson. What's funny is one thing I knew I could do is sell the book. So in the world of publishers and authors, I believe there's millions of amazing books and stories out there. I don't believe there's millions of people that know how to market and sell. Mm -hmm. And that was the one differentiating point that I had going for me was the risk I was taking is I prayed I had a good product. I thought it was good. I loved it. I didn't know what the world would think. But I knew once it was out there that I knew exactly what I needed to do to market it. So, I mean, everything from I downloaded my entire LinkedIn CSV file so that I had 20,000 email lists immediately available to blast out the day that that book went live. I knew that, you know, we live in a world where reviews and recommendations mean everything. So I tapped 100 people in my personal and social circles and said, I need your help. I'm going to give you an advanced copy of my book. I want you to read it and write a recommendation for me on day one when that dropped. I went to my closest friends and family and said, I need to activate a social media strategy. I want everyone posting, you know, this same thing on this day at this frequency. You know, I was in media for almost 20 years. So this is what I did for other businesses. I was just applying what I learned about elevating brands and did for, you know, 20 years in corporate America, I was applying it to me. And one of the things that I learned during this process was the best way to sell your book is to get out and speak about it. Now, I had a 20-year track record of speaking, but I never got paid for it. It was just part of what I did at work. I would speak, um, you know, at various conferences and media. I would speak to my different sales teams, our annual meetings. So I had a lot of practice speaking, and I knew I could publicly speak, what is so interesting is during this road of promotion where I'm bringing this book to market and bringing the message about creating confidence to market, I began speaking everywhere I could. And I did that for free at first because I didn't know people got paid for that because in my old world, they did not. Little did I know I had my head down way too long. I was out speaking and I start hearing people say, oh, what, what did you charge for that event? And I'm saying, people get paid just to go and speak? Oh, yeah, people get paid. It's real, you know, that's a very lucrative career. So then I, I thought, okay, I've got to dig into this and, and really educate myself. So the first thing I did is I, I figured out what is the number one premier speaker agency, and, and that's the Harry Walker Speaker Agency. They represent the Clintons, the Obamas. And I said, well, that's where I want to be. And so I got a hold of the president's email and I sent him an email and call to action as to why I needed to be added to his speaker roster. And I chose to share with him a picture, an image, um, when my book, Trump, Trump, for number one in business biographies. And the play on Trumping Trump was unique enough and powerful enough that they added me to the roster. And once I was picked up by the Harry Walker Speaker Agency, I learned so much about a business that I didn't even knew existed a couple months prior. And had I known that, I did really well in corporate America. I could have made three times the money that I was making then had I just gone, launched into a speaking career 20 years ago. But I wasn't aware. I was always back in the day keeping my head down, just doing my job, instead of picking my head up and looking around at what opportunity was out there in the world that I hadn't seen yet. 
Well, there's one thing I, I keep hearing you bring up, and I think it's really interesting. In, in the, today's world of social media, most people think Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn is such a powerful network to use. It's actually how you and I connected. Um, talk about how you've used it to really build up your business. Oh my gosh, Tim, we need to make sure everyone launches a LinkedIn account right now if you don't have one. LinkedIn really is the only social media platform that doesn't have that difficult algorithm. So I don't know how other people feel, but some days I can put a post on Instagram and no one sees it. And I have 40,000 followers and it does terrible. Everything you put on LinkedIn is seen by everyone. It is shared by everyone. I mean, it's the Wild West. And until Mark Zuckerberg buys it and, and makes it difficult to promote your stuff there, get on LinkedIn now. Video kills on LinkedIn. I used to be one of these people that would say, I can't post video on LinkedIn. I don't know if I have the right things to say. I don't have a professional crew. My walls aren't white. I don't have good lighting. I was coming up with every excuse in the world not to do it because I was scared. And a friend of mine challenged me to do it. He said, hey, I post video on LinkedIn and it does well. Can you imagine if you did, Heather? And so I just, I jumped just, you know, like, just like with the book. I just said, okay, I'm doing it. And I just used my phone as my video with terrible lighting in my kitchen. And that post had 60,000 views where previously my posts were only getting, you know, five to 10,000 views. So realizing that I needed to start taking a chance and putting myself even more out there on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is really, it's your highlight reel. So that's where you go to, you know, showcase your awards and the articles that you've been mentioned in in the country and your best videos and clips of you. That's really your highest moments. And, you know, you've got to have a great headshot out there and, you know, represent yourself in a professional fashion because it is a professional platform. And, you know, LinkedIn, without a doubt, has been the number one social media platform for sales for me and can be for anybody. You just need to, if you haven't started yet, you need to get going. And this is so funny. One of my video posts that I shared found its way to a Harvard professor, and that professor DM'd me and asked me to come teach his class at Harvard, which is, you know, bucket list to me. I never could have gotten into Harvard, and I had Harvard on such a pedestal. And it's so funny because when I taught the class, it was la I taught the class last week, and I, I was nervous going into it. You know, what am I going to teach Harvard kids? But what was funny is I started realizing they, they allowed me to look at the content that they were teaching the kids and the students, and it was very research-driven and white paper-driven. It wasn't real life. And so I was able to bring real-life experiences in sales to a sales and marketing class, and they hadn't heard that. So it was really valuable and it, you know, it was so valuable for me to have that experience and I was able to bring something different and unique to them, which was amazing. But I would have never had that opportunity if I hadn't posted that video just of me talking about a sales um, challenge I had had that day. That, that one action started a domino effect, which ultimately you know, ended up landing me an opportunity to teach at Harvard. And, you know, LinkedIn has just been such a, a phenomenal um, connection point for me. So I definitely recommend that everybody get on there. Well, you mentioned when you uh, went to market your book, you downloaded the CSV file of all your contacts on LinkedIn. How do you go about uh, building your network on LinkedIn? Do you just friend everybody or do you go tactically about it? No, everyone. I believe in massive reach. So for me, you know, I just, I, I want an open profile where anyone can fall and connect to me. And um, that's what I do. And you know, the people that have really risen up to be champions of my brand, my book, and my courses, 
are not the people I thought would have. So I'm so grateful that I did take that strategy that I would connect with anyone, you know, and and of course there are going to be some crazy people and then you can always just block them or not, you know, answer them. But I've connected to so many people out of my comfort zone that I would have never before when I used to be in media, I was more focused just on the brands that I would work with, the industries I would work with. And now I've, you know, I've completely, you know, ripped and run with a new approach that I will connect with anyone and it's been it's been so fantastic, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I've done that. And congratulations on the Harvard gig. I, I know in academia, yeah, it is very intellectually uh, white paper driven, as you mentioned, and, and just entering that world, <laughs> real world aspect into their you know, sphere of influence uh, tends to kind of shock them, and it's pretty funny. So that's cool that you got to do that at Harvard. Uh, your mission is to empower others to create their confidence, to live their life to the fullest by showing them uh, their own unique strengths to achieve success. Now, in the pageant world specifically I'm talking about here, most women, they do begin uh, competing because they want to build confidence. They want to get up in front of an audience. They want to maybe hone some public speaking skills. So for those of them that fear just starting, just actually doing it, um, what, what do you say to them about building that confidence to take the jump? You know, if you're happy where you are currently, you know, assess your life and keep doing it the way you've been doing it. If you're not happy, you need to take action and do something, right? Because change isn't going to happen by chance. It'll happen by taking action. So one of the things that I do is when I feel afraid, I now believe that we're taught incorrectly, you know, fear when you're a child, you're taught to back off. If something makes you feel scared, run away from it. I believe fear is a green light as an adult, which means go and go faster. Because every time I do that and jump in, something amazing happens. So if you're feeling stuck, what you might want to do is, you know, build some momentum. Maybe you're, you know, someone's rude to you at Starbucks every morning and they cut in front of you. You tap them and say, excuse me, I guess you didn't see me. I'm standing here. Do you mind standing behind me? You know, start with little baby steps so that you can build that momentum to take that big leap. The other thing that I really believe in is claiming what you're going to do. Put it on social media. I'm jumping into an exciting new career. I'm going to start pageants, and I'm so excited. would love to hear if anyone has experience with this. Once you put it out there, you're going to hold yourself accountable to it. You need a deadline. You need to give yourself a very clear goal and deal in specifics and have a date that you are going to move forward. It's great if you can tap someone to be your accountability partner that's further ahead than you. Maybe you know someone in that business and you can reach out to them and say, hey, I'm looking to make the leap into this. I'd love your support and, you know, want to see if I could speak to you for a couple minutes on tips on how to get in or how to get started. But when you deal with someone that's much further ahead than you, it really helps you take off there, you know, much, much more quickly. And then the other thing I do is I keep a list of past accomplishments past moments in my life where I felt really scared to do something and it ended up going great, ended up going well. And I use those as indication that this next leap is going to work out for me too. Great advice there. I love that. I do want to talk about something that I know many women who listen to this podcast deal with, uh, and I know that you have dealt with, and that is being bullied. Um, And when I say bullied, I don't mean the physical form, um, more the social and psychological form of bullying, uh, especially on social media these days, which is where it's, you know, most prominent. Can you talk about how you dealt with bullying and some tactics uh, that you used to deal with it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've got some good ones. So it's funny, when you become an author, there's all these platforms where people can evaluate you from the privacy of their own home and from behind a computer. And when you create something and put your name and face on it, you really take a big risk and you make yourself very vulnerable. So, of course, the haters are going to come. I'm doing something different and unique. 
So on the Goodreads platform, a woman named Barbara with, with a ghost face, no photo, no details, nothing, with a newly created account, rated my book a one. And she did not put anything in text, just gave it a one star, which sounds like that's not a big deal, but getting a one star brings your overall rating down significantly. I had had a five star rating. So when I saw that, I was so angry that this was, you know, someone who wasn't even confident enough to put their picture up there or own who they were. And listen, if you hate my book, claim it. You know, you should say, I hated this book because A, B, C, and D. But this person obviously was bullying me. It was someone who knew me. It's probably my old boss that fired me, which in fact her biological given name is Barbara. <laughs> so what I did, <laughs> what I did, I took a screenshot of that, of what she had created, and I put it on all social media platforms. And I wrote an op-ed to Barbara. And I said, Barbara, I'm taking this to social media in hopes that there's some chance you actually see this, and, and I have a feeling you will. So here's the thing. You didn't read my book, Barbara, because if you did, you would be proud to put your photo up there. You would be proud to claim who you are and why you don't like my book. Now, my book might not be everybody's favorite book. Maybe you don't see it as a five-star if you've read it, but it certainly is not a one-star. So if you're going to you know, be bold enough to come out and leave someone a one-star, there needs to be a reason for it but I think we all know the reason. You didn't read the book. You're very upset with me, and I think we all know who you are. <laughs> and I put that out on social media, and it was so scary. You know, what happened was it's reversing the bullying. You know, I'm not going to put up with that. And so, and I've done that a few times. I've had men send me, like, really creepy messages, and a couple times I black out their name, and I post it. And it stops that poor behavior because it's calling that person out. What you're doing is not okay and you think you're hiding behind a ghost account and hiding behind your computer, well, you know what? I deserve better than that. The world deserves better than that, and you should really deserve better than that too. And so when I put that out there, it was really cool. So many people stepped up and said, hey, Heather, I, I've read your book, love your book, and never thought to rate it. Now that I see this, I'm going to go rate it right now and really helped me build a lot of ratings and reviews very quickly, which kind of you know, foiled Barbara's plan. But I really believe in, you know, when you are a real authentic, transparent person, putting things like that out there when people try to undermine you, it rallies others around you because we've all been bullied. We've all had those down moments. Now, when my son gets bullied, you know, again, I'm 44, so it's a little different. My son got bullied at school, and I had a very specific strategy I implemented with him, and it worked. Every night when he went to bed, we focused on three things he was grateful for. We wrote them down in his gratitude journal in his room. Uh, when he got up in the morning, I said, who do you love? And he would say, I love myself. And that took a lot of practice for him to get really comfortable and confident saying, I love myself. And then when we would drive to school, I would either play Kendrick Lamar's I Love Myself or this really positive playlist that I have that we like to rock out to. And we would talk about, what are you looking forward to today? And we would try to focus on the positive things that were going to come. Oh, I have practice after school. I have this or that. You know, and really try to reframe that there was a negative situation going on at school. We didn't have control over that child that was bullying him. We did have control over him. And so when he shifted his mindset, when he created confidence for himself, the bully ended up going away. Well, I want to talk about, uh, we'll put her in air quotes, Barbara, when you were fired and, you know, that, that, that hurt. And I think we all have that person in our lives that we look back on that is either 
you know, given us a terrible situation in our life, which really hurt, or they, you know, they bullied us, or they made us feel less than great. Do you use that as fuel, or do you just try to forget it? At first, you know, it really consumed me for a while, for a couple of months, and I would Google her, and, you know, I wanted to see what was happening now that I was gone, and, you know, then I realized wherever I put my focus is where my energy goes, so I was actually giving this woman my power, and when you visualize that, because I do know where I focus is where my energy goes, and that's where my power goes, I was helping her out when I, the more I would think about her or, you know, look at her or whatever, and I decided no more. If I'm going to give power to someone, I'm giving it to me. So I decided I am going to unfollow this person. I'm going to disconnect from her. I'm going to block her from my space. And when I did that, a shift began to happen, and I put my focus and my energy towards my creations, my ideas, and me, and it really empowered me to feel more confident, more positive, and better. And, and I suggest to anyone, if there's that person out there, unfollow that person on social media because it's not going to help you to have them popping up in your feed and, and have you give them your power. Well, those are some great tactics. No doubt some of the girls listening are definitely going to be using those. So thanks for sharing that. Now, you aren't just an author. You speak all over the country, as you mentioned. You do a lot of media. Uh, I guess at this point, what are your career goals as you move, move forward with this Confidence Creator platform that you've built? Sure. So I launched my online courses two months ago, which they're doing amazing, and I'm going to be creating more of those. Right now, I just have Confidence Creation 101, which is my basic um, you know, Confidence Creation video course, and it's amazing. And I'm getting amazing testimonials from it. So that was my phase two. I'm almost done writing my second book, which, which is Confidence Creator 2.0, The Next Level, Everything That's Happened Since I Got Fired to Now. Um, then I got my speaking engagements, and I actually just launched. I partnered with um, the lieutenant governor in Massachusetts, Karen Polito, and I just launched Level Up Boston, which is my own event that we put together, myself and um, a couple other women, and we are kicking that off uh, April 13th in Boston, and then I'm going to take that franchise and bring it to different cities around the country to empower others. I have a couple of different pitches out there for a TV show concept, which is all about working with women to create confidence, get ahead, you know, leave the bad relationship, get promoted, start your own company, you know, all around empowering others. I've been pitching my book as a movie because it absolutely is one. And I'm hot on Reese Witherspoon's trail. I just have such a feeling that she is the one that's going to bring this movie to life. So that's definitely something that I have put out to the universe and I'm working on. And I'm going to continue to evolve my brand and business all underneath that umbrella of creating confidence and sharing what I've learned along the way to empower others. Well, tell me a little bit more about Level Up. I know we have a bunch of girls up in Massachusetts that listen to the podcast. I'm sure they'd be interested. Talk about it. Sure. So um, Karen Polito, the lieutenant governor, is going to be opening the event and speaking. She is a major crowd favorite. We're going to be at the Weston Seaport in Boston. Um, it's the 13th of April. It's from noon to five. We are going to have dance music going, a DJ. It is going to be so fun. There are so many phenomenal women coming. It's going to be a blast. I am going to bring um, my keynote that I do, which is a 60-minute talk about how to create confidence, and then a breakout after that, which is essentially a workshop. We're going to do work right there so everyone needs to come prepared to really tackle your villains and putting, we're going to put plans together on how we can advance you. We're going to give goals and deadlines. Everyone will leave that event with an accountability partner that's going to follow up with you. 
Um, we've got two other great keynote speakers, um, one from the fitness world and one from the coaching world coming, and they're going to be doing um, their speeches. We're going to allow for Q&A. We want every question answered so that every woman leaves that event ready to go to that next level, whatever that might be for her. And then from 5 to 7, we have a VIP uh, private event uh, where it's going to be all of the speakers with uh, the VIP attendees. We're going to do book signings, pictures, um, and private meet and greet and coaching uh, as well. Okay. Well, it's quite a bit there. So in addition to your events, you're speaking, your books, uh, you also have a really great blog called The Monahan Method. Um, you shine the light on the steps people need to elevate themselves. Um, what are the, some of the topics that you really have felt passionate about, you know, covering lately? In the past, it was, you know, I really focused on sales and business, and I've evolved a bit more to, you know, really more around life. I, I was so focused on that because that was my day-to-day, and now I'm realizing all of those things that made me successful in sales and in business are the same things that can make me successful in relationships and creating networks and, you know, creating my own company And so it's really opening up a broader conversation, not just geared to only the professional and only, you know, women, but really, you know, elevation beyond that, whether it be through health, diet choices, you know, caring for yourself with your children, um, and really, you know, looking beyond just myself and and the energy shifts that I create and now what the universe is, is bringing to the table, because I never really understood that when I was back in corporate America, that I was man, I had the potential to manifest opportunities and, and, you know, create energy that was going to allow for opportunity to arise. And this has really been an awakening period for me. So I love sharing that with others. Well, speaking of corporate America, I mean, you worked quite a bit behind the scenes in the broadcasting field, uh, I think for Wilkes Broadcasting, Beasley Broadcasting at different points in your career. Why was broadcasting the path that you wanted to, to travel? I just fell into it. And I guess I was so adverse to change. You know, I I saw it as a very linear path. Remember, I I had so much focus on creating wealth. I didn't ever want to struggle financially like my mother had. And so once I got on that path and started in radio, I made money really fast. And I, I just, I stayed on it, not because I loved it, but because it paid the bills, I, I made good money, and I figured that was my lane that I was meant to be and that, I, that that was all I could do. I never realized that I could take my unique skills and attributes and just blow up the lanes and go anywhere, and it really took me getting fired to you know, be willing to, to take that chance. So I guess now, looking back, I'm grateful I got fired. I think so. So you are the founder of, and I love the name of it, Boss in Heels. Tell us exactly what that is. Yeah. So growing up, um, again, I'm 44. So, you know, 20 years ago when I got into business, people would tell me not to wear skirts and not to wear my hair down. And I had villains back then that were women I worked with telling me that I was, I would never be successful looking the way I did. And all of my bosses, you know, back then were white men wearing a navy blue pantsuit. You know, it, it was so different than who I was. And watching myself evolve and becoming the boss, you know, in my trajectory, in my career, I decided, you know what, if you want to rock flip-flops, rock flip-flops. If you want to have purple hair, do that. But for me, I like wearing a dress. I love wearing heels. And it doesn't make me any less than anyone else. In fact, the more authentic and real I am, the more powerful I become. 
So when I step into that outfit that I feel amazing in, I'm going to give that much of a better presentation or that much of a more successful meeting. So all these things I had learned along the way, people were telling me, don't do this, don't be you, don't act like this. That was all bad advice. And it took me a lifetime to figure out, yeah, I can be the boss. And you know what? When I am, I'm going to be the boss in heels. And that's well, then, who I am today. All right, well, I've got a scenario that maybe we can diagnose in that case. Um, so I had a, a podcast on guest, uh, guest on last week. She was a NASA engineer. And she was a former Miss Mississippi USA. And when she got into NASA, she was working on everything from spacesuits to the F-35 engines. And when she would go to work... Being a former pageant contestant and title holder, she dressed up. She liked to look the part and feel like a success. Mm -hmm. And human resources end up pulling her in and saying, hey, you are a distraction. Um, this, is not, this can't continue as it is. What would you say to the human resources officer who pulls you in and says, you can't wear the clothes that you're wearing? Absolutely not. I mean, that's not your place. So here's the thing. People will say, oh, you can't shine your light in this situation or that. Well, then those aren't your people. That's not your place. You know, I used to get a really hard time for how I dressed. That wasn't, those weren't my people. There was another door that was open somewhere that I needed to go through to be with the people that would support me, that would applaud me for wearing what I wear. And it wasn't the company that I was most recently in. You know, you might be in a toxic environment and not even realize it. But if you've got people out there trying to pull you down, hold you back and not be yourself, it's time to go. Love it. Love it. One more thing. In 2017, you were named one of the most influential women in radio and a Glass Ceiling Award winner. For you, what do those things represent really in your career and in your life? But because of the timing, you know, that I won the most influential woman in radio a month before I got fired, it's kind of that validation that I didn't deserve to be fired. I didn't do anything wrong in order to get fired. I got fired because someone was jealous of me. Someone didn't like me. So for me, that's why that one award really, you know, I'm thumbs up. I'm so glad that I got that award because, yes, that might have been the catalyst that pushed her over the edge and why she had to fire me right after that. But for me, it's kind of that, you know, I go out with a bang and I don't think most people win an award like that and then, you know, get fired from their job. So it's just kind of that um, it's that pat on the back that I'm glad that I had. The timing was really serendipitous. Well, very good. Well, congratulations on that, and I'm sure that felt good to, to get that award regardless. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, so it's time for the, uh, I just call it the rapid fire, get to know you questions kind of game show style. It's all for fun, so just have some fun with these. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Ten questions. Here we go. Number one, is it grammatically proper to capitalize the names of seasons? Yes. Very good. Number two, when was the last time you stayed up past 4 a.m. in the morning? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> I have an 11-year-old, so, I mean, it's got to be so decades? long. I mean, it's been, no, not decades, but definitely years. Okay, all right. Number three, what is the lamest dessert that people try to pass off as a dessert? Flan. <laughs> I totally agree with that one. Flan, absolutely. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, when you fly on a plane, do you wear a neck pillow? No, never. I never have either. I tried it one time and I got cramps and that was it. Number five, do you <laughs> like Disneyland? I do. It really is a magical place. And because I have a child, I have been there countless times. And we actually recently went back and my son really liked it too. It's a really neat place. Okay, number six, how would you rate your karaoke skills on a scale of one to Mariah Carey? 
Oh my gosh, I have the worst voice in the world. However, <laughs> I am an amazing dancer and I should be a backup dancer. I should have been on Fly Girls, not J-Lo. So I think when it comes to karaoke, I'm killing it. I, I'm an all-star. All-star, I love it. Okay, I love the confidence. Confidence creator right there. So number seven, what is the name of the street that you grew up on? A Kushnet. Spell that. A-C-U-S-H-N-E-T. It's in Worcester, Mass. Did it have a meaning to it? Or was it just a random name? No, random. <laughs> totally random, okay. Uh, number eight, what's your favorite clothing brand if you have one? I really like Rag and Bone right now. I think that's a great line. And is that, uh, what, what type of wear is that? They have everything from, you know, blazers to dresses, skirts, um, blouses. They, they've got it all. Rag and Bone. Okay, very good. Number nine. On your burrito, black beans or refried beans? I don't eat burritos. No, okay. No, bur- no burritos are very good. Number 10. Would you rather come face-to-face with a miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? And remember, both are in a bad mood. <laughs> miniature hippopotamus. Yuck. I hate bugs. You have no idea I hate bugs so much. So cockroach is definitely out. Totally. Okay. Well, you are off the hook. Congratulations. Thanks for ripping through the 10 questions there. You did a really nice job. Thank you. Hey, well, look, this has been an awesome interview and tons of great information, tactics, skills, uh, all kinds of stuff that uh, and information that girls can use. And I really appreciate the time. And I know you are a super busy woman. So, uh, again, I do appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the podcast. And I hope we can certainly uh, stay connected and, and possibly do some other stuff in the future. I would love that. And if anyone wants to check out my site, heathermonahan.com, I've got a free ebook everyone can down, uh, download there for 30 days. So confident you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Tim. Yeah, I love it. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Heather Monahan for her time. If you want to learn more about Heather, check out her book. Again, you can just go to her website, as she mentioned, heathermonahan.com, or you can follow her on Instagram, at Heather Monahan, or on Twitter, at underscore Heather Monahan, or, as you mentioned during the podcast, connect with her on LinkedIn. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, everybody. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Proverbs 31, verses 25 to 29. She is strong and respected and not afraid of the future. She speaks with a gentle wisdom. She is always busy and looks after her family's needs. Her children show their appreciation and her husband praises her. He says many women are good wives, but you are the best of them all. Some great words to model your life by there, ladies. Believe in yourself, have faith, and pursue your dreams with no fear. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.